Welcome back to another episode of Upgrade on Relay FM. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Hover, who simply are the very best place to buy and register domain names. And our new friends, Jason, our new oh, friends. But they're friends. Uh, our new friends at Clubhouse, who I'm really excited to tell you about. They make awesome communities for people, oh. private and awesome communities. My name is Mike Hurley, and you've already heard me by now. It's Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Mike. Line. How's it going? Hi, Jason. Oh, very well, sir. How are you? I'm doing very well. I have almost written my Kindle Voyage review. And um, uh, in fact, it to ensure, this is like, um, this is insurance, to make sure we actually talk about the Kindle today. I have invited a special guest, our first special upgrade guest. And the reason we invited this gentleman is because he is an expert when it comes to the Kindle. It's Scott McNulty. Hi, Scott. Uh, I'm very tempted to say something about Siri, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Don't do I, it. I, I, was, I was going to say it, but I didn't. I'm not going to. <laughs> Ahoy, Scott McNulty. <laughs> Ahoy, Scott. Thank, thank you for having me on. It's good to have you here. Uh, so before we get started with the uh, the main topic of the show, which indeed is Kindles and things and such, perhaps it's time for some follow-up. We don't have a sound effect for follow-up, though, Mike. Follow-up. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. Ooh, that's scary. Uh, we might get in trouble. Five by, my, five by five? Is that, five by five going to get mad if you even say follow-up in that tone ever? I don't know. I don't know. I think Stephen might get mad. Ah, oh. <laughs> That's that's fair. Uh, we talked about, in I think our last episode, we talked about uh, test flight and uh, getting approval for betas using Apple's new test flight system. And I wanted to point out, uh, first off, uh, Mike, you put this in the show notes, but it's great. It's Marco uh, Arment on Twitter said that his beta was approved in test flight for external testing in one day. Mm-hmm. And then we also heard from listener Glenn who said um, his first time review was less than 24 hours. And then which with each initial no significant changes update, um, he, those were processed in about half an hour. It seemed to just be a kind of a server automated thing. So it sounds like the test flight stuff is, is happening much faster than we were kind of anticipating for a traditional app review. So that's good news, I think. We were worried that they were uh, Apple was going to get in, in people's way. Um, Have you been uh, just uh, on that subject? Have you um, had many betas come to you via test flight? I, I think I have three in there right now. And yeah. um, it's funny. One of the things that it does is it sends you a push notification when there's a new beta, which is actually pretty awesome. Well, I get push notifications and emails, which yes. is awesome. Yes. So I need to try and find a way to stop both of those things happening. Right. And then uh, there was one app, and I don't want to mention who it was. And I don't know whether they were having a problem with the system, but I got like five push notifications saying that there was a new beta. I think maybe they just kept uploading new versions and finding bugs. and like. But it was I, like within an hour, there were like four notifications. I have also had that with, with someone too. Uh, so that was why I was very annoyed to continue receiving new emails. It felt yeah. like every time I deleted an email, I had another email. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shut like, up. Okay, please stop now. <laughs> Anytime you want to stop, but I, I like the system. I like going in and having the little list and just downloading it. Um, I like that I can access them on my iPad and my iPhone uh, very easily. I don't have to do the provisioning profiles thing, which just seemed to always randomly break for me with like uh, with hockey and and uh, with previous test flight. I always found that it just broke constantly. Um, and oh, one other thing that frustrates me is the little yellow dot, which won't go away. 
So when you uh, have a beta, you know when you update an application, yeah, uh, dear, dear listeners, uh, you will see a little blue dot which appears next to, to, to the app. And when That's, you open hey, you haven't opened time. this app yet. Uh, we should yeah. know about this, right? And then it goes away. Mm-hmm. But however, I now have little yellow dots sprinkled about the place which do not go away for betas. No, they will not go away, and, nope. and I don't like that. I agree with you. It bugs me, but uh, in general, it, it seems like a pretty good thing. So I'll deal with the 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 bug the bugged part of it uh, and it's good to know that they uh that the the turnaround for approval is not so bad but it's yeah it's, you know test flight is is not new but this apple test flight version is new so i guess they'll they'll learn and and adapt hopefully i, I don't need five push notifications <laughs> though that's not here's one interesting uh tweet that i did see that i, I haven't put in follow-up but i'm gonna i'm gonna mention it to you now mm. um surprise follow-up yeah, Ma- Martin Herring, who is um, the developer of Instacast, he uh-huh. was having trouble. Uh, Apple were rejecting his test flight uh, app review because of a bug in iOS 8.1. <laughs> so iOS 8.1 has an issue with um, iCloud, and it's crashing apps when you open them. And Apple were rejecting uh, his app because it was crashing at launch. <laughs> literally nothing he could do about it i think he's ended up fixing it though for for another version but it's just interesting to think that there are sometimes now going to be things outside of your control that you expect will be fixed by the time you release i guess but apple haven't been able to fix it and so this like raises the question like what happens uh when people are testing against betas later in the year how's that going to work um, I wonder if there will be something different in that, that time, right? right? So when iOS iOS nine is in beta, how will people be distributing tests? Like, will they still be testing for them, and will Apple allow that and all that kind of stuff? So it'd be interesting to see what happens there. Yikes! But I hope that all the kinks are worked out and that people adopt it because I think it's a, it feels like a much better system, mm-hmm. um, at least for testers. I assume it's pretty good for. But the developers too, if the people are starting to use it. Well, just not having to maintain that list of UDIDs and just being able to get a yep. list of people with their iCloud IDs and mm-hmm. using those, and you know, because I know they they dreaded like new new devices coming out because it completely screwed up all the beta testing because their beta mm-hmm. testers would upgrade their devices and then those lists would be no good and it was this endless maintenance of UDIDs, which is stupid. So just for that, it'll be uh, it'll be a big win for lots of developers, I think. And I guess if you want it. You can have much larger testing pools now, which yeah. can be beneficial. Yeah, exactly. And every one of your people, just by being on your list, can test it on all their devices, which is really nice. Yep. Um, I've got some very silly follow-up, but I liked it. Um, this is a listener, uh, Unai. Unai, I, I don't know how to pronounce it, but he's he's in Spain, and he wants us to do a um, a vertical on cheese and he wants to sponsor it and sponsor it via by sending manchego cheese to you because you're close closer to him than me because he's Mm -hmm. in spain uh, just to let him know the good cheeses we produce in spain so uh, i've never had manchego cheese you should it's very good what's what's different about manchego cheese to regular cheese (sighs) oh i don't know scott have you had manchego I, I enjoy manchego See? on a regular uh, basis. See? Scott, can you explain the difference between manchego cheese and regular cheese? Uh, I believe, <laughs> and I could be wrong, and I probably am, uh, is manchego a sheep milk? It, it, is, or a, it is a sheep well, cheese, I believe, yeah. Well, there you go. So, it's, uh, so you know, most uh, cheeses, perhaps not most, but many cheeses are cow's milk. Uh, so sheep milk has a different taste, and the, I'm sure the Spaniards do some kind of crazy 
thing to sure. make it manchego cheese. I assume it's a Basque product. It could not be. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think it I think it may be, and it's it's a um, it's certainly from that that area. I think up by the French French border. Um, and whether it's is it just Basque or is it also in Catalonia? I don't know. But um, I do know a little bit about Spanish geography, a tiny bit. But um. Uh, it's a hard cheese. It's not a like a like a gooey kind of cheese. It's a hard cheese, and it's yes. uh yeah, it's just tasty. I enjoy it actually most when I uh, put a little tomato jam on it uh, <laughs> with the recipe from the book, the cookbook that Scott's wife wrote. <laughs> so there's a, a double endorsement that manchego with the tomato jam, so tasty. So I guess when you asked Scott the question if he has manchego cheese, you were really hoping that he had, considering. His wife uh, wrote a, well, a recipe for it. No, because um, so so um, Scott's wife Marisa has has written uh, cookbooks now about canning mm-hmm. and uh, putting food in jars. Her website is foodinjars.com. and the, the untold story there, or uh, okay, it's been told. Scott's told it uh, is he doesn't eat anything that comes out of jars, basically. So he doesn't eat any of these things that she cooks for her cookbooks. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't like jam or pickles, and that's a, a large <laughs> portion of what she does. <laughs> Is she the, makes a corn salsa that's very tasty. Is the things inside the jars that's the problem, or do you just not like jars? Well, if I didn't like jars, I would be in the wrong apartment. I was uh, for laying on the, the floor of our living room for some reason, uh, and I put my hand under our couch, and I hit a box of jars. Uh, <laughs> there are jars under our bed. There are jars everywhere. Uh, so it's mostly what's in them that I don't like. Although I they're delicious to other people. I just don't like fruit, really. Real-time cheese follow-up. Real-time cheese follow-up. Manchego is from the La Mancha region in central Spain. So it's not up oh. by the border. Man of La Mancha. As you, Man, La Mancha. Manchego. Oh, there. That, that is, see? And it is, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, a sheep cheese. It's mild. Aged. It's tasty. Mild, tasty, aged sheep's cheese. So thank you, chat room, for our cheese well, follow-up. Literally, where would we be without the chat room? <laughs> not eating cheese, that's for sure. <laughs> so uh what other follow-up do we have uh mike you there was something yeah yeah something, something i saw on your site um uh, your lovely website sixcolors.com it's nanorimo time it is it's um, november so for anybody that doesn't know i'm gonna do a terrible job of explaining it nanorimo is during the month of november where lots of clever people um try and write a novel Right. Yeah, right. This is this is almost as good as me explaining what Scott's wife does while Scott is on the line. <laughs> let's, let's just go all the way around, and then Scott will explain how Relay FM works, and we'll be done. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's Nanorimo is short for National Novel Writing Month because it started as a joke. Uh, a, bun- a bunch of friends actually in the Bay Area, and then they set up a website, and people were able to sign up. And what it is now is it's an international, it's all over the world, international uh, community of people who are writing fiction. Uh, and for the month of November, everybody uh, signs up, and it's free. You go to nanorimo.org, you sign up, and you can write a. Uh, you, the goal is fifty thousand words by the end of November, which is roughly seventeen hundred words a day. And I've done it six times, um, and and succeeded all six times at breaking fifty thousand words. And now I'm on. I'm actually on the board of directors of the. It's a nonprofit that runs it and has the people who develop the software that runs on the server and keeps the servers live. And uh, there are a bunch of uh, uh, staff. There's a little staff in Berkeley, California, that does stuff like uh, there's a young writers program that works on building uh, educational materials 
so that uh, kids and that teachers have materials to, to use to teach writing to their kids in class. Um, and yeah, it's a great, and there are volunteers all over the world who are in different regions doing meetups and, and what they call write-ins where people come and meet somewhere and they hang out with the other writers and they, and they write. Uh, so it's a, it's a great organization. Um, I, I encourage people to go to the site and consider doing it. My first NaNoWriMo, I didn't start until like the sixth or seventh of the month. So even now it's not too late. Uh, and if not this year, consider it for next year. And if you do try it and think it's a good idea, I would say donate because it, I, I know now the details of the, uh, how harrowing uh, nonprofits' finances can be, and they could use some donations. <laughs> donations are good, and if people are out there listening who know somebody who you think would be really awesome, as like if you know an author or something like that who you think would be awesome for us to know at NaNoWriMo, that you should let me know. You drop me a line because um, we're always looking for. We've had support of some great writers over the years who've written things for NaNoWriMo for newsletters or whatever. Um, but I love it. I've written three novels, which are like in draft form in a drawer somewhere um and that that would never have happened i would never have written the first one without um nanowrimo just about making that commitment and saying yeah i'm gonna do this and you know 1700 words a day is it's a lot but it's only for a month and then you can stop and uh it's uh it's uh actually a lot of fun so you know i recommend it i think it's a really awesome uh creative I keep likening it to climbing a mountain or running a marathon, neither of which I'm ever going to do. But I, I like that. Writing a novel was always something that I said I thought I would do someday, and I was never going to do it. And then the first NaNoWriMo, I was like, I'm going to do this, and I did it. So sometimes that's all it takes. Now that you're uh, gainfully fun employed, um, are you going to do NaNoWriMo this time around? I'm not doing NaNoWriMo this time around, mostly because, like I said, I've got those three... Uh, novels already written and I would really like to rewrite them and get them out there even if it's uh, self-publishing them I'd like to get them out in the world and so I'm not I'm trying not to write more new stuff um, and instead spend some time so I'm hoping to revise one of those this this month um, and get it out in the world so we'll see cool yeah it's fun Sounds good. I've, I've started many files on the first of November <laughs> nice the idea that I would do it, and then about oh the second of November mm-hmm. I stop. Well, that's efficient. You're not throwing away <laughs> work true. that way. That's good. But I get a, a solid thousand words, and then I'm done. I don't know what it was. It was something something about that first time that I did it, and I thought this is. I, I don't know. A lot of writers are so motivated by deadlines, and that, that that's the case for me. If I if I set myself a deadline, I'm going to meet it. And for NaNoWriMo, I essentially was saying by the end of this month, you're going to have fifty thousand words, and I'm I managed to do it. But um, I, I think it takes that kind of mentality of like I'm going to do this, I'm going to I'm going to commit to this, and then and then dealing with those deadlines because it is essentially a. 1667 word deadline every single day and if you get behind you got to make it up you can't you know you can't skate by so you end up with a saturday where you write 8000 words to get back to on pace and it's fun but it's a, it is a lot of work um n a n o w r i m o .org just because we say it fast and it's a weird word it's a great word. I like the way it sounds. Uh, NaNoWriMo. Yeah, it's good. We used to the, the nonprofit used to be called something else, and we realized that National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo, that's what it is. That's how people know it. So that's the name of the organization. Um, we got a little more feedback. Uh, got a really nice email from somebody who wishes to remain anonymous who works in Apple Retail. <laughs> and this was uh, a plea to us and to our listeners. Um, 
please, God, don't come in and say, ahoy, telephone. It's the modern equivalent of setting alarms, apparently, which people still do, and it's still just as annoying. They set alarms on all the phones in the Apple store. (laughs) That's really bad. Uh. We've also recently had to deal with folks coming in and literally trying to bend the iPhone 6 Plus because they heard it was bendable on the news. So a plea from Apple Retail, do not go in there and, as a prank, shout, ahoy, telephone. Or bend the phones. Don't bend the phones. Don't bend the phones. Actually, that would be funny if you set an alarm uh, using uh, a Hoy telephone while ben- attempting to bend the phones just because they could just take a dart and just <laughs> take you out right there. <laughs> uh, that's enough of you. Um, so I thought that was good, and I appreciate getting that le- letter from a listener in Apple Retail. We definitely do not encourage that, although it was funny to see that video of uh, – of one of our listeners very quietly trying to say it because he didn't want to get thrown out of the store. And in fact, listener Shep, who we've heard around before, uh, sent us a picture or, or maybe it was a video. It was uh, from one of the Apple stores in New York City, and he tried to do an Ahoy telephone, and uh, uh, they had turned it off. <laughs> so they're getting wise. The Apple store is getting wise to the uh, Ahoy telephone problem. Hooray. And we have one last piece of feedback, Mike. This is about you and your desire to buy a Mac Mini. Uh-huh. Uh, are you tired of this one yet? Have you bought anything yet? I haven't bought anything yet. All right. Listener Brian says to listen to listenership who said get something, uh, get what, get the old four-core Mac Mini uh, from while you can from someone. Um, he, he endorsed PowerMax.com as a real company, by the way. I actually heard there's a, actually a guy I talk with a, a lot on Twitter, and I, I met at XOXO this year who who actually works at PowerMax.com. He said, yeah, we're real. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I, we just, Sounds you know. fishy still. Yeah. Uh, well, it is that Homer Simpson alias. But um, uh, he also said, obviously, look at the refurbished and clearance on, on the Apple Online store. Uh, yeah, he, I've been checking that. Nothing. And mentioned Mac that Mac Mini, Mac Mini Colo will sometimes sell used minis too. But he, his fear, and this, I fear, I fear this is going to be the case too, is that those quad core minis are going to now go up in value because they don't make them anymore, and so they might be harder to find. But it's worth looking around. I don't know. Thank you, Brian and Shep, for your advice. They care, Mike. They, they do care. care. They do They're worried care. about you. I like that about them. Yeah. I want to take a quick moment, Jason, before we start talking about Kindles and Amazon and uh, such. I hope this is related to friends. Of course. Of course. This is a, this we want to hear from our friends. our friends. All right, good. <laughs> These are our new friends at Clubhouse. Clubhouse is something that's completely brand new, and I want to tell you all about it. Clubhouse is a platform that allows you to create private communities where people can be themselves without ever having to worry about a, a whole larger social network le- leering in and joining the conversation unwanted. Everyone on Clubhouse is part of a defined community that they choose to join. With Clubhouse, as a community owner, so if you want to sign up and you start a new community on Clubhouse, you're able to do all of the things that you'd want to do, like change colors, you can add logos, and you can create the brand that sits around the community that you have. Let's say, for example, you run a... You run NaNoWriMo, and you want a NaNoWriMo uh, community in Clubhouse, for example... 
you can do that. So you can have community members that all sign up to Clubhouse and they're able to go in on their phones or on the web and they're able to take part in the communities. People can chat for free within there. They have great activity streams that let people in your community easily chat, post comments. They can post photos as well. And you're able to integrate with external sources like Twitter, Instagram to pull in relevant content. You can have um, just hashtags for peer, for example. Let's say you're in Instagram and you just want all of the like, hashtag Manchego to pop up into your into your community, you can do that. So you can have all that stuff come in. The members of each clubhouse as well can earn points for interacting within the community. So these points can then add up to a whole ranking system. So you can see who's contributing the most within a community. You're able to set up like missions for people to complete as well. So like um, post a picture of yourself whilst at Whole Foods using Apple Pay. And anybody that does that, you can award them points and then you can rank all of your members together and it's like a, a way to like build more sort of fun within the community. Um, Clubhouse works as well as something called modules. Now, these modules allow you to add in different types of functionality into your Clubhouse. So they have things like um, that allow you to add events. Um, you can have SoundCloud and RSS feed integration. They even have their own ticketing system, which has like QR code generation. So you can charge the tickets to an event or set up tickets to an event and like let people in on the door and stuff like that. This is one of the ways that Clubhouse got started doing this type of thing. And then they expanded it out to be this whole like community platform. And these are the things that you pay for. So Clubhouse have a real defined business model, which is really important, especially for anything that's social uh, related these days. Um, everything like chat related and stuff like that is free, but then you can add in different things like the ticketing system or event creation. And you as a community owner pay every month for that functionality. So, But the people that join your community, they join for free and they don't have to pay. But So it's up to you as a community owner and you can maybe sell tickets to things and it's a way you can make money, for example. Even with Clubhouse, it's possible to break your Clubhouse into its own standalone app so that you can do that. You can get their, their tier for you, that you can pay for and you can basically build out your own app. They manage all of the App Store stuff for you, all of the bits and bobs, all the admin that go into App Store like processes and approvals and all that. Clubhouse take care of all of that so you don't even have to worry about it. So you can try out Clubhouse for free right now as a community creator by going to clubhouse.cc slash relay. Now, doing this will get you something really awesome, and they're doing something which is really super cool. So they're doing a really heavily discounted uh, premium plan. So basically, if you sign up at clubhouse.cc slash relay and start your community there, you'll see when you go to add a module, when you go into your clubhouse and you want to add a module, so add like the event stuff or stuff, you will see a special relay unlimited this unlocks all of the premium modules, so you have access to everything for just $50 a month or $500 a year. Now, that's an incredible deal. When you start to look through, you literally will be saving hundreds of dollars um, but you, because you'll be able to access everything that Clubhouse can do for you. So go to clubhouse.cc slash relay. Go and check them out. And just see, you can sign up for free and start a community for free. You don't have to pay anything. But then, if you want to go to the premium stuff, if you sign up via that URL, you'll get access to the whole thing. Thank you so much to Clubhouse for their support of Relay FM and Upgrade. Look for us in hashtag Manchego. You should do that. Mm-hmm. So, Mike. Yes, sir. Back in episode one, I think we talked about that we were going to talk about Kindle sometime. Yep, and we're now up to, what are we, episode eight today? Yep. Yeah. So should we talk about Kindles? I definitely think we should. Uh, let's change the subject, Scott. What do you say? Let's not talk about Kindles. <laughs> Manchego it is. <laughs> uh, canning and food in jars. 
so yeah, the, the I was really excited uh, when this the week that this uh, show started was uh, the week that Apple or Apple, jeez. Uh, Amazon. Apple's the one with charts with numbers on them. Uh, <laughs> Amazon announced the new Kindle Voyage, which shipped last week, I want to say. Um, and uh, it's out, and I've got it, and I know Scott's got it. Um, Scott, yeah. you have every Kindle ever, right? Is that accurate? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> if you're being pedantic, I don't. Uh, Are you missing because... like one of the DXs or something? Or no, I have both DXs. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> I, I don't have. Amazon started offering the models where you could get the 3G or just the wire, the Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah. So I switched to just Wi-Fi. So I don't have every variant, but I have every major model of Kindle. Wow. Now, what what motivated you to purchase every generation <laughs> of Kindle? Uh, insanity, I suppose, uh, is probably the biggest one. Uh, I, I've just been, there were two times in my life where I saw a technology that really entranced me. Uh, one was when I saw the, uh, iPhone for the first time. Uh, and the, the second, which happened actually before I saw the iPhone is when I, I heard about e-ink for the first time, because I just thought that technology was so amazing. Uh, and I'm a huge reader. Uh, and I thought it had the power to change the world. I don't know if it has that power to change the world, but I was really excited about it. Uh, and so I ran out, and actually I didn't. But I, uh, when I had enough disposable income, I bought a Sony reader, uh, who were kind of first on the market with e-ink readers. Uh, and then maybe three weeks after I did that, Amazon announced the Kindle, and uh, I was very, <coughs> I was excuse me, I was very sad, and I just bought a Kindle, and I've been buying them ever since. Oh. But why did you continue to buy all of them, though? Because <laughs> uh, there's a different difference question. between just buying one and then buying another one in like a few years' time to buying all of them. Well, that is a good question. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I have a good answer. Uh, I just like them a lot. I bought the first one, and, and then it was kind of uh, – I actually like the first Kindle except for the weird uh, silvery, <laughs> silvery interface strip. thing <laughs> because they couldn't get the touch screen right. So um, – and then the second Kindle came out, and I wrote a book about the second for generation of the Kindle. So that was my excuse for that, uh, which was available only on the Kindle, and nobody bought it. Um, and then I just kept buying them. And now I have, uh, like, and I've also, for a time, I was buying all the Nooks as well. Uh, I stopped doing that. Has it become like a, I've started buying them now, so now <laughs> I just have to buy them all type thing? Well, like a collection? I, I, I t- well, yes, and I tell myself, well, my wife will get my cast-off Kindle, so it's not really a waste of money. Does your wife me. need every cast-off? <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you, uh, the, so every time I get the new Kindle, I order it immediately as soon as it's available, and then I get it the first day it's available. Uh, and I show it to my wife, and she's like, oh, that's nice, give me your old Kindle. This time I showed my wife The Voyage, and she said, oh, order me one of those. Huh. Mm. So, which I thought was interesting. So, it's the first time she's actually wanted uh, the latest generation Kindle. But it, it's not. Is it? Does it really seem that different from the Kindle Paperwhite to her? Because I, that, that's the thing that struck me about the Voyage is it's not that different from the Kindle Paperwhite, really. Is it? It's not hugely different, but I think it's a matter of refinements, and I think adding the the page press areas is a really a big improvement. Uh, to the paperwhite because I always disliked having to move my thumb and tap mm. the screen to turn the page, uh, you know, and not having this. I, I try to explain that to people, and it, it make every time I try to explain that or I'm writing about it, it makes me feel like the 
lamest person in the world to say, <laughs> I, I have to slightly move my finger if I want to turn the page, and therefore this is not as good. Um, but it's so true that on the old button Kindles, there was a physical button on the bezel to turn the page, and you could literally just hold the Kindle in your hand and never move your hand other than to just squeeze the button down, and you could just go next page, next page, next page, next page, and it was a really great reading experience. And when they went to the paper white, they took the buttons away, and so every time you wanted to turn the page, uh, if you're holding it in your right hand, you could just sort of like migrate your thumb or finger over and tap and then move it back. If you're holding it in your left hand, you had to like stretch out and do like a really weird awkward swipe so that it went forward instead of backward and it was really stupid (laughs) and uh (laughs) i'm really glad that they added they're not really buttons right they're these special areas that are pressure sensitive pressure areas (laughs) but it's basically a button it is and it has a little haptic feedback kind of dealy to it uh that you can set the vibration to which is nice yeah Uh, and i think i think the screen if you look at a paper white uh, a second generation paper white and a voyage and put them next to each other uh the screen does look better it doesn't look uh like if you ha- i wouldn't suggest you just throw your second generation paper white out the window it's not like uh comparing a first generation kindle screen to right. the voyage that's a clear gigantic difference um, but it is better yeah, well, I, the, the, I I held my first generation paper white up right next to it uh, today. I was doing that, and uh, it's definitely better. The lighting is way better. Although I, I know yes. that they fixed a lot of that in the second generation paper white, the lighting is better. The text is crisper. All of these, it, it is a better all around product, no doubt. Right, and I think it's easier when you have a first generation paper white to unless you're me uh, to convince yourself that you need to upgrade <laughs> i just buy the new one whatever uh because when you look at side by side the first generation paper white was nice but uh, i always thought the they didn't quite get the light right i didn't think the the distribution uh the second generation fixed that but if you skip the second generation yeah. the voyage is a great upgrade yeah yeah it's the first generation paper white had like the kind of bluish light and it was a little spotty yeah. and yeah uneven at the bottom you could see the the kind of the arcs of the LEDs lighting it up. Right, right, exactly. And this is much and nicer. These are, all, these are nitpicks, of course, but... They are. They, they are. matter, because I think that's a big thing about the Kindle, and why moving your thumb is so annoying is because, you know, a Kindle is a purpose-built device, right? It's just built to read uh, books generally, but you can read other stuff on it. So you're spending a lot of time holding this thing, and you don't want to have to think or move too much because you're reading, and you want to be part you know in hand entranced by the story you don't want to have to think about and this is why i like kindles i don't want to have the 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 temptation to check twitter as i'm reading right. i just want to read and i don't want to move my thumb when i'm reading <laughs> is that so much to ask i think we've we've touched on a, a lot of stuff that i want to get back to but uh the point you just made is actually at the core of why when people when i tell people that i buy kindles and they look at me like i'm crazy they're like you've got an ipad like, why would you want a Kindle if you have an iPad? Number one reason is my Kindle doesn't do push notifications. My Kindle isn't two taps away from being email or Twitter or a web, a good web browser. There is a web browser. It's still experimental like 10 years later. The experiment is how quickly can it drive people crazy who use it? Um, the experiment is will anybody find it? Yeah. You know, it's only there so you can log into like hotel Wi-Fi. I really believe that's the only reason that web browser is there. That makes um, sense. But that, that's why I use it is because it's purpose-built for this. It doesn't it, – it, it like like you said, Scott, purpose-built. It's made for reading. It's really good with text. Yeah, um, it's got uh, – uh, you know, you read it outside in a way that a smartphone or a tablet, you, you just can't. But the number one reason is it's – when I'm reading on my Kindle, I'm reading. I'm 
not do multitasking. I'm not going to get distracted. If I want to go get my phone or my iPad and look at Twitter, I can. But you know, I focus on what I'm reading, and it really makes a difference. And so for me, yeah, I've got other devices, but they, I don't use them to read novels or actually get a newspaper on it or the newspaper. I use the Kindle for that because it's you know when I'm reading on the Kindle, I'm really focused on on just reading and not ten other things that are one click away. Is that you guys both have Kindles, right? So why 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 do you have Kindles? My answer is a lot is worse, really. I like to think, <laughs> I like to think that I read more ah. than I actually read. Oh. So I I bought a Kindle too, um, because I was fascinated by the original Kindle, but just just didn't they, they weren't available in uh-huh. the UK. You you dodged a bullet. Scott says he likes it. I I actually bought one and then returned it. It's one of the few times I've ever done that with a, a an electronic <laughs> product on. Amazon. I was like, no, uh-uh. this is because it was so weird, and I really wanted to like it, and it was too weird, and I went a year without. A what didn't you like? What didn't you like about well, it? Well, like Scott Scott it? said, that that metal, um, the, the screen wasn't very good, and that metal strip that you had to use to like it was this weird silvery strip, and you slid a little black dot up and down it in order to select. It was we- it was really weird, it, and it was kind of ugly. Part. It was it was we- weird shaped and weird colored. Yeah, the crazy and, keyboard layout, right? Yeah, kind of like jagged mm-hmm. for no real reason. Right, exactly. And then the second generation was a much more. It felt like a real, like not a prototype. So that one I kept. <laughs> so it was really strange. Like when the when it. I mean, I bought it because I was interested in it. It was new technology, um, like a like it was brand new, right? It was like ink and all this kind of stuff, and you had to get it in like a really weird way. Like you could buy it, but you had to buy it through amazon.com yeah. to ship to the UK. <laughs> like they would ship it to you, but you had to do this weird thing. Like I had to sign into amazon.com and had to like forcibly tell it to stop redirecting me. Uh, and it was possible to do Like Amazon allowed you to do it. They only did it for a couple of countries and you could buy it. So I bought it and it shipped um, and I had to buy a separate plug for it. Because it shipped with an American adapter, which is very peculiar, um, and uh, I I really enjoyed it, and and I used it quite a bit, and I used to use it every day, like to on my commute. Um, but then, kind of, my love affair with podcasts took over, and I listened now to this sort of stuff, and so I I didn't have I didn't replace that Kindle. I recently gave it away, but then I was going on holiday recently, and thought I want to relax and read, so I bought a Kindle Paperwhite. Um, and then about six days later, they announced the voyage. <laughs> uh, so, you know, such is life. Um, I, so I, I have a, I have a, put the second edition, second version paper white now. Um, I, it, it kind of frustrates me, the, the tapping mm. on the screen. I really don't like it. Um, I loved the buttons on the, on my, my second edition Kindle, like yeah. I love them, yeah. and I really don't like the tapping because it's like, do I tap it or do I swipe it? Neither of them feel like they do anything immediately. Sometimes, or like I feel like I'm about to do the wrong one and then nothing happens, or it just doesn't feel. It feels awkward because the bezel's quite thick compared to like an iPad or an iPhone, you know. Mm-hmm. Where so if I'm swiping or tapping, it's like, well, I'm used to just like right at the very edge, but I'm like covering up the content here with my big thumb. Um, yeah, it's weird, but it looks great. And the, the light really does make a difference. Like I was reading on the beach, um, and it was really, really nice. I, 
actually spent most of my time on my vacation because it was I was on vacation during iOS, the iOS 8 launch and stuff. I was just reading people's reviews via Instapaper, huh. which I love still works. So I just had a bunch of things in Instapaper and then I just sent them to reviews because a lot of them are like books. Um, so I sent them all to, to my Kindle and read them. And unfortunately, I've not used it since that holiday. Uh, which I was worried would happen because mm. um, I'm kind of I I struggle to like keep focus when reading. Um, so even if I'm not using something like an iPhone or iPad where all of the world is there, you know, I just then just seek out the world. <laughs> I'm like reading on my Kindle. I'm like, where's my iPhone? Mm. Things are happening on my. I, I yeah, I kind of just struggle to to keep my attention. So like when I'm listening to podcasts and stuff, I play games like video games on my phone, stuff like that. And and that and weirdly that helps me focus on the on the podcast. But when I'm reading, like I'm like, oh, what else is going on? So I, I actually haven't read a full book in many years, I think. Which I know probably oh my horrifies you both. It does. Makes me sad for you. Yeah. Poor yeah, I don't read the- fiction, and when I do read, I never read fiction. Well, I, that's valid. I, <laughs> The, the the voyage is available today in the UK though, so you should buy one. I did see that; it made me smile. <laughs> I was like, "Okay, so today it's going to happen. Great! So maybe, maybe I'll have to buy one." Because oh, I basically had the the Kindle for like a, like a couple of days on my holiday, and the screens all scratched up. Oh, like obviously <laughs> I had it. In, I had to put it in my my beach bag, and there must have been something it in on there. The sand? <laughs> I was, you know, I rubbed it in the sand and I buried it, and I don't know what the problem is. Yeah, I assume there must be like a coin or something in there, but the the one one corner of the screen is all kind of scratched, and that's mm. frustrating. See, so the Kindle, the, I have a little like uh, Kindle case. It's not actually like a, it's just a, a carrying case. It's like a sock. It's like a fancy sock, Kindle sock, <laughs> and uh, but that keeps it in pretty good shape usually. And you mentioned the beach. It's funny. I mean, I think beaches. Are that's when when I go to some place like a beach or a, a a swimming pool or something. That's when I see all the Kindles. All the Kindles are out because it's so much better to use in a in those situations in in you know, where it's there's bright light. And also, quite honestly, I I feel less worried about the Kindle being destroyed or stolen or something than than my smartphone or my tablet for some reason. Even a more expensive Kindle, I think I would feel this way. Um, when I've uh, I don't take baths very often, but when I have, I've I have a couple of times done the Jeff Bezos trick where you put it in a Ziploc bag and you just read your Kindle in the bathtub. Uh, billionaire, by the way, uses a Ziploc bag on his Kindle, but you can do that too. I mean, you they're think they would so they versatile. just like build a special waterproof case because he can kind of just ask them to do that. Oh, there probably is one. There probably is one now. He's probably had space age like science material scientists build him. A uh, a Kindle aquarium of some kind, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. As Scott, Scott, do you uh, your choice of a Kindle over over uh, like an iPad or an iPhone for reading? Why why do you prefer it? Well, I do a lot of reading on my commute. I don't have a much of a commute. I have more of a commute than both of you uh, probably. Uh, <laughs> but it's like fifteen to twenty minutes, um, and I feel like you were saying. Uh, I feel very self conscious looking at an iPad. On the trolley here in Philadelphia, uh, I don't know why. I just do. I feel like everybody is looking at me. Uh, in fact, the woman this morning, a woman was sitting in front of me and she was playing like Candy Crush on her iPad, and I was in fact looking at her play. So I suppose that that could have something to do with it. And it just feels the like Kindle feels less obnoxious uh, than having a giant iPad and swiping through, unless it's a Kindle DX. I did feel a little obnoxious when I had my Kindle DX on uh, the trolley. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's lighter. Uh, it's easier to see. I'm, I'm, you can, yeah, I don't know. I feel like they disappear that they're just, yeah, it's not, it's not that big a deal to be sitting there with a, with a Kindle and, and, uh, yeah. So, um, so that's why we use Kindles. Some of us more than others. Mike's Kindle is more aspirational. <laughs> And that's that's valid. That's fine. Aspir- although, although, aspirational Kindle. Although like although that. the although the uh, the the Insta paper thing that was something that I uh, when I was a a regular bus commuter I did that a lot too where I would just my Insta paper queue would dump into my Kindle every day and uh, that was kind of great because I could read, choose to read like the newspaper or a novel or I could read my Insta paper stories and uh, that was pretty cool. So there's it's it's versatile, but it's for reading. I mean, it's it's a black and white device. This is one of those things that actually I realized with the Voyage release, and I'm wondering what you guys think of this. Where I felt like over the years, Scott, as we watched these uh, new Kindles coming out, that they, they were always like, well, they're priced a little bit less. And you got the sense that at some point, Amazon was literally, literally going to say, if you're a Prime member, you can get a free Kindle every two years. Just we don't care. It's we just don't care. Just buy things. That's all we ask is just keep buying things. And then that may yet happen. But something funny happened this year, right? First thing is, all the Kindle Fires are now just the Fire tablets, right? They're not Kindles anymore. They changed the name. And so well, Kindle, there's still a Kindle, Kindle Fire HDX. Yeah, but it's like last year's model, and it's going to become the Fire something, right? Or, or, or get, I mean, like, the new, the new Fires aren't Kindle Fires, right? They're just Fire right. tablets. And the, the Fire TV, which I always call the Kindle Fire TV. Right. <laughs> It's not the Kindle right. Fire TV. So, so it's like they're de-branding Kindle. Kindle used to mean like all the hardware that Amazon had, and it's gone back to being for the reading stuff. It's really it's about Kindle is about reading. So I think that's really interesting. And then the other thing that's happened is that they made this device, the Voyage, which is more expensive than the Paperwhite. And I think that's really interesting because uh, for a while, I I felt like almost like Amazon's strategy with the e-ink readers was like they're not as good as tablets, so the only way they're going to succeed is if they're cheaper than tablets. So let's just keep pushing them down in price, and we'll have a $79 Kindle, and we'll have a 69, $69 or $59 Kindle with special offers, and we're going to push that down. And the Paperwhite was nicer, but still you got the sense that they were they were playing that same game. But with the Voyage, it's clear now that they're not playing that game anymore, that somebody at Amazon has looked at the numbers um, and they see the numbers. They don't just put up a chart with a line that's going up and say, look, it's going up. They have, they know the actual numbers. And I, I feel like they're looking at that and saying, you know, the people who are buying these things probably even have tablets and they don't care. They want to buy these things. So maybe we should just make a really good one for them because they just love these Kindles and they want to buy them. And and like the Paperwhite, like I said, was felt a little bit like that. But the Voyage is like crystal clear. It's like this is a $200 e-reader. It is made for people who, um, you know, they want to buy an e-reader. They're not like saying, oh, I don't know. I got an iPad. I don't really need that. It's like, no, they want a really great e-reader. And Amazon appears to be willing to to make that now, which I don't know. In the past, it felt like they weren't. Like they were really kind of hesitant to put too much into the Kindle to make a, a nice Kindle because above a certain point, I think they kind of felt like you graduated to a tablet, which is, I think, totally not true because on my experiences, I use the Kindle all the time and I have a tablet. So I, I don't know. It, it feels like that to me, that the, the, the Paperwhite uh, it was the start of it and that the Voyage is like the clincher that the Amazon is embracing this product category and saying we're just going to make great e-readers and they're their own thing now 
Right, and they have three different versions of Kindle at the moment, so they're they're covering all the price points. So you can still get a Kindle for eighty bucks uh, if you just are are Kindle curious. Uh, <laughs> that if 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 you're devoted, you can get the two hundred dollar fancy pants Kindle Voyage. Uh, they both basically do the same thing. The Kindle Voyage just does it nicer and has a, a light up screen and some buttons that aren't really buttons. Right. Uh, and I, I think they're borrowing a little bit from Kobo's playbook. Of course, Kindle is much more successful than the Kobo. Um, but the Kobo has a whole lineup of crazy e-readers. You can get a tiny little Kobo Mini. You can get a uh, an Aurora HD, uh, which is waterproof, so you don't need a Ziploc bag. Oh. Uh, yeah, they, they've got a whole lineup of crazy e-ink readers that you can buy. Um, I don't think anyone does buy them, but <laughs> you can buy you them. If you want Theoretically, to. you could buy them. <laughs> Uh, so I think Amazon's borrowing a little bit from their playbook, uh, but of course benefiting from the fact that they are the major e-reader player in the market. Mm. Uh, now that you know Sony's not selling them in the United States, at least I don't know if they're selling them anywhere else. And uh, Barnes and Noble seemingly has given up. So I assume that they're like it's it's fair to say, right, that they are the winner because they have the catalog, right? Well, Barnes and Noble has an equal catalog uh, to Amazon. The way and, – and this is the first time – I liked my first Kindle so much because I had a Sony reader. And the Sony reader – I'm looking at it right now – and it <laughs> looks so much better than the first generation Kindle. But I used my Kindle so much more because it was so easy to get books on the thing. Oh, yeah. The Sony reader – Sony generally makes beautiful hardware and this thing is beautiful. But the software, I had to hook it up to – uh, a PC, which I didn't own at the time, so I needed to get a uh, like, virtual PC on my Mac so I could download the Sony uh, app so I could buy books through it and then hook up my reader to it. And then it might have worked, and they were using Adobe DRM, so I had to sign in with my Adobe account so I could authorize my book. Uh, and then, uh, you know, contrast that to Amazon on the Kindle, I, I clicked a little weird scroll button uh, <laughs> twice, and then I had a book on my Kindle. <laughs> And I think Amazon just has figured out how to get it to you so easily. Uh, and I wouldn't underestimate their recommendation engine either um, be and because I think it, it, it Amazon knows how to sell you things and how to suggest things that you will like. Uh, and so I think – and plus the idea that you can – one of the other things I love about the Kindle is you go to Amazon's website. You can buy a book on Amazon's website and it shows up on your Kindle the next time you use it, uh, which nobody I, was doing then. I do right. wish though, talking about the purchasing process, that they would – um, they would stop doing that thing where it's like send to this device, and uh -huh. and you end up with like a hundred thousand different devices, <laughs> and, and it's like so every tablet you've ever owned, everything that's ever had a the Kindle app on it, any any device you, and it's like I went in recently and cleared them out. Yeah, it's like oh my word, like my iPhone three G is in here. Like what's happening? Imagine <laughs> how I feel. Manage your, <laughs> manage your devices. It breaks when Scott tries to manage his devices. It, it just cries. Yeah. Mike, do we yes, have sir. another friend? Should we talk about another friend now? I would love to talk about another friend. Today's second friend is Hover. Hover. Oh, yeah, Hover. 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 Hover.com. Uh, Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names. It's my place of choice and it has been for years. Whether you pronounce it Hover or Hover like I do, it should be the place that you go to. Because when it comes to buying a domain name... There's just nowhere else that you should be going to. If you have an idea for a project or you have you, you want to just name your own site, as in, you know, like with your name. I mean, you can name it anything. Jason did. Yeah. He didn't go Snell, with Jason Snell. Snell.zone. 
Snowworld.com, whatever. You can, you can get them all, yeah. And Jason, I know that you use Hover, and I think you mentioned this before. You used their, you used Hover to help you get the six colors domain as well, didn't you? Well, so uh, the the main six colors domain I got through uh, a weird like escrow service, but the way that it worked, I was able to then transfer it back to uh, Hover, and then for six colors spelled the way you would spell it with a U, uh, that one was actually for sale, and uh, Hover was my uh, was my broker basically for that one i was able to buy that directly through hover and they uh, made the sale happen so i did i did it sort of both ways but it, they all ended up at hover yeah because i mean that's one thing like you know people you go in and buy what's available but if something isn't available hover can act as the middleman to help you with facilitating the deal that needs to be made which is good because they're a trustworthy company and then it also remains where you want it to be and you don't have to deal with any of the craziness that goes into trying to, to buy a domain from someone which i can't even imagine how horrible that would be because my domain processing and my domain buying has always been so lovely because i use hover they have a very simple fast hassle-free way of buying domains. You just type in the words that you're after, some keywords or some different sort of, maybe you just want to find a specific domain. So maybe you want snellzone.com. But snellzone.com is taken by Jason Snell. So maybe you get like, I don't know, Snell Zones, you know, that kind of thing. They suggest all that sort of stuff. So they make suggestions to you if a domain's taken. They'll suggest different ways of uh, maybe trying to find different formatting of it and things like that, which is really cool. You don't have to go through a thousand million, hundred thousand million screens to add on a bunch of different craziness that you don't want. They're not going to force you to pay for who is privacy. They give you that for free. All of this stuff is just made simple. They have a really great checkout process. They don't spam you with emails every six weeks telling you that your domain is going to expire in a year. They just they send you one when it's coming up and you can choose what you want to do. They have all of the top-level domain suggestions that you're going to expect. Obviously, they have like .com and, and they have .net, .co, .co.uk if you're like me. But they also have .academy, .london, .nyc, .plumbing, .coffee, all of the really interesting, uh, like .zone, like Jason has. They have all the interesting uh, TLDs that you can get now too. They have a fantastic no-hold, no-wait, no-transfer telephone support policy, which is something they're famous for. They have great email support as well if it's something that you need they have great documentation on helping you switch from a different provider however they will also do this for you for free with the hover valet service they have volume discounts for bulk domain renewal they do custom email addresses storage and forwarding and so much more i love hover and i think that you will too so go try them out use the coit the coid if you <laughs> use that for a new pronunciations completely <laughs> into this now we're are, really expanding are, are, are this. are we using a coid on hover is that how this is working? <laughs> I think so. Okay. I think that's what it is. You want to use the code Ahoy Telephone at checkout. That's going to get you 10% off your first purchase at hover.com. Show your support for us by using the code Ahoy Telephone. Thank you so much to Hover for sponsoring this week's episode. Our friends. Our friends. And a good friend. A very good friend indeed. Oh, Kindle, more. more uh actually we have real-time follow-up um a question asked in the chat room that i wanted to answer real-time answers to follow up um somebody somebody asked in the chat room why uh, this is tangible ghost in the chat room why do you have to even direct uh, a file you're sending from to your kindle to a specific device and the answer is because of the crazy cellular Kindles, right? Scott mentioned this earlier that they have cellular models and Wi-Fi models. 
And that was one of the initial cool things about the Kindle was that they were on cellular networks. So they didn't they initially didn't have Wi-Fi. The first what two generations of Kindle didn't do Wi-Fi at all? Oh, so that's worth noting, actually. So my my second gen, it used AT&T roaming. Yeah. <laughs> that was how I got my Kindles. I was using an AT&T roaming. Yeah plan yeah. which is so weird that that was how they decided to do it but that was how it was done yeah they made a deal with at&t and so literally you could go you could take that kindle anywhere in the world and if there was at&t roaming in that you could get books on the kindle and they were paying and you know this this still is an issue to this day not only is that the reason why when you buy a book it doesn't just automatically push to all your kindle devices it's it one uh, does the kindle app on the ipad uh do background uh wake up auto downloads i think it still doesn't uh, but but the bigger issue is those wireless ones. Uh, they that costs a lot of money for Amazon to send data to the to the cellular models. So they don't want to do that unless they absolutely have to. And as a result, you need to pick where you want to send it. And if you use like the Send to Kindle app on the Mac, um, it's got a little box that's like send send this using Whisperlink, and uh, basically it's we will charge you to send this <laughs> if you if you send it this way. Otherwise, it's only so, on Wi-Fi. It's such a weird like. The the charging so weird. It's so strange. It was a it? great can... idea, though, right? Yeah. The idea that like this, it's like it was like magic. It's like you're just on. You don't have to pay for it. It's all just embedded in the cost of the device. You're just wherever you are. If you can get a, a cellular signal, you can get books. It was it was magical, um, uh, but kind of ridiculous. And then the, like the, I think the third generation Kindle, there was a Wi-Fi or a Wi-Fi cellular, and they gave you a deal if you just got the Wi-Fi version. And I never bought the cellular version again. So I still have my Kindle too. And I was looking at it the other day, thinking, you know, if I ever went somewhere like where I knew that I, there was no Wi-Fi but there was a cell signal, maybe I would take this just <laughs> because it still it still works. But it was a cool idea. Right? That's a very Amazon idea. The, the idea that they would they would make a. Uh, a deal with a, a cellular carrier and just kind of embedded in the device as this, you know, f- supposedly free, but it made the device cost more. And uh, just talked to John Syracuse about what he's gone through with uh, doing his eBooks. And this is true for all eBook publishers is they will, uh, Marco dealt with this with the magazine too. I mean, Amazon will charge you if any of your customers download your book over cellular, they will charge you for the, for the data. <laughs> and so it's coming out of the pockets of the publishers and it's, it's not, it's not cool. <laughs> so, uh, There's like I, no way in which that seems like a fair thing to do. I can't believe they're still making the, the, the cellular Kindles at all, but they are, um, I, I, I would have thought that they would have stopped and said, look, we live in a Wi-Fi world. Plus people have tetherable devices. The cellular Kindle thing is just not that big a deal, but obviously it works for them because they continue to do it. And the, the cellular Kindles cost a lot more than the, than the main, the, I forget what the difference is, but Scott, do you know the difference between the Wi-Fi and the, and the cellular Kindles? Uh, it's something like $70, I think. That's yeah, not, not cheap. It's 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 uh you know akin to buying a cellular iPad except then you have to pay for the data. <laughs> I do wonder what the purpose the like why would you buy a cellular Kindle these days? I think that um I mean I don't think people burn through books massively quickly in which you could be potentially in a situation where you've oh no I've I've run out of books. Like if if you're going on holiday, I mean you can kind of just load up, right? And and so you know you were saying Jason yeah. about being somewhere like being on vacation not knowing you're gonna have Wi-Fi. Well, just just put a bunch of books on before you leave. And I do. I have like fifty books on my Kindle. I'm I'm doing okay. 
Yeah, which I assume probably most uh, Kindle owners, Scott, maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong, uh, would would have lots of books on there because, I mean, the books are quite small comparative to the size of the devices, right? Yes, I think that most people probably load up their, their Kindles. I can't think of one instance where I would buy, uh, still in this day and age, uh, a 3G-enabled Kindle, and that's if I was going to give it to my mother because the beauty of the 3G is that you don't have to think about it. It's just on yeah. and it works, and she doesn't have to figure out where the Wi-Fi uh, signal is coming from, uh, and she, it'll just get her book and she'll be happy. And in fact, another, that, another that's, that's where my uh, that's where my second generation Kindle was for a long time was with my with was with my parents. I said, you know, you don't have to set up the Wi-Fi; just take this. And now they have iPads, and you know, it's fine. Another random thought I've had about my weird second gen Kindle experience. Um, when I had to turn the the cellular off all the time because it was roaming, it was destro- it destroyed the battery. Mm. Like I'd get like a couple of hours out of it. So when I wasn't downloading something, I had to just turn the cellular off yep. because it was really working hard, the little thing. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I reflect, I, I just turn off, I put it in airplane mode all the time, yeah. my Kindles for, I don't know why, I just do. And they last. To, then they last almost forever if you put them in airplane mode. Exactly. I wanna. I wanna forget that I have to charge it, and then misplace the cable. And when it's, it gives me that little alert, I have to scramble to find something to charge it with. Kind of makes sense, though, right? Because you know, to to require the internet connectivity of a Kindle, you are making a specific choice anyway, because you're going to go to the store to download a book or whatever. So the one um, example I would say is um, I told you I get a, a newspaper. I, I've I've been getting the daily uh, the San Francisco Chronicle every day on my Kindle for like five years, seven years. For, I mean, since I got the first the second generation Kindle, and um, uh, what happens there is that it delivers overnight. So when I wake up in the morning, I turn it on and the newspapers there. And if I would have it in my bag and go out the door to go to the bus, I I get on I get on the bus and turn on my Kindle and the newspaper was there. So that would be I mean that was why I always left the Wi-Fi on on my Kindle was because the newspaper would download overnight in the background, which was always really cool. And it was something the Kindle app on the iPad or iPhone could not do, which is why I thought it was uh, extra cool. But it does eat the battery that way. Scott, I assume the DX was really good for newspapers and magazines, right? That was, I think, that was one of the, one of the reasons, as well as textbooks, that they brought it out, right? Uh, yes, and it was pretty bad with textbooks, but good <laughs> for uh, newspapers. And it was actually it it kind of emulates the size of uh, like a hardcover page, so it was nice to read on as well. But their the biggest pitch uh, was they were like, "Oh, students can use this to take notes," um, but e-ink especially the screen technology at that time was not fast enough to take notes. So you would just get super frustrated as you were trying to type your note in class and it wasn't a good idea. No, that was a bad, I, I did not like the DX and then, and they had the weird keyboard too, which was a bad keyboard. Uh, yes. Yeah. But, but uh, yet I have two. Oh, you can, you can keep them. <laughs> I don't want them. <laughs> I will. All right. Good, good. Keep them away from me. Um, let's see. Oh, I wanted to mention special offers just because it's a very Amazon thing that makes me laugh, which is when we talk about prices for these things, the the base price for these is for something called with special offers. And I, I was looking up how Amazon describes special offers on their site. And what they do is they, they want to use the language of cell phone companies. So they'll say... Your, to to buy your Kindle uh, Kindle Voyage for one ninety nine, it's it's that is a subsidized price. 
<laughs> the subsidy is because you will receive special offers and uh, screensaver advertisements as you uh, as you use your device. And I'm sitting there thinking, subsidized by you. <laughs> it's just you. It's your ads. <laughs> You're just setting it's the your price. device. <laughs> you set the price. But what they've done is they've said, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give we're going to give people twenty dollars off if they agree to see our ads. And we're going to and because we're the makers of this, we're not going to run it as a sale. We're going to just make that the price so we can go out there and say, look, this thing costs one ninety nine instead of saying this thing costs two nineteen. Um, now they could just make it one ninety nine and not have ads, but that's not what they do. And the funny thing is, the special offers are not that bad because some of some of them are good offers. The ads are only on the home screen and on the lock screen, so it's not like you see them when you're reading. They're not pop up ads while you're reading a novel. That would be the worst thing ever. Uh, but you know what? The thing that drives me to pay the $20 to turn off the special offers is it makes turning on the Kindle a two-step process because you've got to press the power button and then you've got to swipe to dismiss the ad. And that's the thing that gets me. That's the thing that makes me go, okay, fine, I'm going to pay the $20. That. Yeah, yeah, you've got to because they, they – um, Especially for the if you in, in the little magnet case where when you open it it automatically unlocks. They want you to be able to see the ad. They want you to see the ad. You would never see the ad otherwise. Like an iPad with a smart cover, you never see the lock screen if you're always opening the cover because it just automatically unlocks. And so even though I don't use a case, and so I'm actually physically pressing the button and staring at that ad, uh, it still makes me swipe. So I have to do I have to do power on and then swipe, and now I can read my book. And that's what makes me spend the. Twenty dollars to get the special <laughs> offers, but it's a fascinating idea, right? That they that they do this, that they they uh, underprice their uh, product by twenty dollars in order to show you ads. It's weird. Scott, do you do I, special I offers? Get the special offers always get the special yeah. offers. I buy too many Kindles not to get the special. Offers. Well, that's true. That would add up over time. <laughs> I I have not been buying them. I've been buying them with special offers. Um, but like I said, the last two I've unlocked after a while the the paper white, and then I actually just did it with a voyage today, where I said, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna do the twenty dollars. Also, after a little while, you can go to one of those sites that has um, various Kindle hacking things. Do you guys know about Kindle hacking? I had no idea it was such oh, a thing. About Kindle hacking. Oh yeah, see, Scott knows. Scott knows. Yeah, so there's there's some sites out there that um, there's a there is a Kindle jailbreak community, <laughs> and you can jailbreak the Kindle. And, um, you know, the only thing I use in the jailbreak is you can, so, you know, if you, if you don't have special offers, they've got these screensavers and they're like these really obscure, like woodcuts of things themed around writing and reading uh, or pictures of dead authors. Those are your choices, I think. (laughs) And they're not that great. And, um, you can't believe it or not, you can't like copy images onto the Kindle and have them used in the screensaver. It just, they won't let you do that. So that's the number one reason that I hacked my Paperwhite was uh, if you if you uh, jailbreak the Paperwhite and install this screensaver hack, you can load your own images on uh, as the screensaver, or you can opt for it to use the cover of the book you're currently reading as your screensaver, which I think is actually a great idea, and I have no idea why Amazon doesn't offer that as an option for people who have turned off special offers because it's really cool to just see the cover art when you turn off your Kindle. Like, it was a real book. Um, but Amazon is not interested. They want, like, pictures, abstract pictures of pens and type. <laughs> and the Kobo, just to, another shout-out to Kobo. The Kobo does uh, display the cover of the book you're currently reading when see? you lock it by default. Look at that. But there are no special offers. The Kobo no is special. special. It makes no offers. Nope. nope. 
every now and then there's a really great special offer like uh five dollars uh, buy buy a ten dollar gift card for five dollars that happens every now and then you're like what <laughs> and, uh, and i just I, want to make sure you're paying attention <laughs> yeah and i bought some books through it but um but i hate the the press the button and then swipe to turn it on that's really stupid but I do like uh, – you should check out the yeah, others. Uh, Kindle Jailbreaks. They're out there. I don't know. I assume they haven't gotten it running yet. Maybe they have. Uh, I haven't looked for the uh, for the voyage. But they definitely jail- had the pa- Paperwhite jail broken not too long ago. They, they did that pretty fast. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, there's not a lot you need to do with a jailbroken Kindle. <laughs> I mean, you can copy <laughs> – you can copy uh, – e- convert epubs to mobis and just copy them on via usb so it's not like amazon prevents you from sideloading as much content as you want onto this thing you could download epubs that are that are not drm'd and just uh, you run them through is it is it what's the what's the app that you use to convert Calibre? Ca- yeah, yeah, Calibre or Caliber or Calibre or, or Hover. It's pronounced Hover. Hover. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, Calibre is the one that, that you basically can set up a, a workflow that says take these EPUBs, turn them into Mobis, copy them onto my Kindle, and it does it. And Amazon doesn't care, which is kind of cool. And you can also use the send to Kindle to just send a, a, a Mobi to your Kindle and then it's stored in your cloud yeah uh, library yeah that's actually a feature that they added they they have they have improved some of the stuff with the kindle software over time like being able to add a book uh and it stays in your library it's not like a one-time load it actually stays in there like your own personal books can can stick around in the kindle cloud library that was a nice touch they let you reset your um your uh, bookmark now, which for a while you had to like fill out several forms and testify in court that you didn't that that uh, you didn't want. Uh... So my I would read a book and then my wife would read the same Kindle book and every time she would open it, it would say, "It looks like you're at the end of this book. Would you like to jump to the end?" And she'd say, "No, I'm reading the book now." And there was no way to reset that feature. And now you can do that. You can go to their I think the website and say, "Reset the bookmark," and it does that. But that's that... a whisper sync. No, I'd say this the is, I think. I, yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah, I think so. I think it's all all it's all good now. It just took them a while to get there. The big thing that dr- still drives me crazy, and I'm interested, especially for you, Scott, since you've been using the Kindle for so long. John Gruber wrote about this when the Paperwhite came out, and I agree with him 100. percent It's sadly still true two years later. Is the typography on these things is not is not? I mean, it's not terrible. I'd say it's mediocre. They're like six fonts, and most of them are not very good book fonts. And they're all justified, so um, they're they're fill justified, so that they're they're uh, uh, it's a straight line down the right side, which means depending on how the words break, you can have like variably wide spaces between words on a line instead of just letting it run ragged right and being properly spaced. Uh, and it also doesn't do hyphenation, so it's even worse than it would be if it was hyphenated. Uh, and and so it, it drives me crazy because it's like the screen is really beautiful now with the Voyage. But the typography is still kind of crappy. I think the Voyage would be a much better product if they had some better typefaces and some better um, type display options that they have. And that's one place where something like the I, like iBooks on the iPad has it just way uh, beyond Kindle because the typography in iBooks is so much better than it is in the Kindle. And it's a real shame. I mean, fonts, you would think in a, a product devoted to reading that perhaps fonts would be a priority. And I apparently not. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, actually, Jason, because I 
have read many of these complaints, and it doesn't bother me at all, uh, mostly because I'm comparing it to, I read a lot of paperbacks, and if you look at the fonts and typography in uh, a cheap paperback, they're awful, so <laughs> I feel like it's an accurate representation of uh, the paperback experience with the added bonus that you can choose from six awful fonts as opposed to the one that's set by the publisher. I don't know uh, if they're and, all awful, but many of them, awful. right? Like Palatino's fine, Baskerville's I, okay. Wow. I don't even know what I use, but I never change it. And I, it annoys Cecilia, me when I get a yeah. book that has the uh, the publisher oh, default and, font. And, and the publisher fonts are, are horrible because whatever engine they use to embed fonts and then display embedded fonts, those fonts are almost always unreadable. Yes, that's and the it, the worst. And it used to be you couldn't change them. Now you can go away from publisher font to one of the six Kindle fonts and it'll let you do that, which is better. But I, it, it just drives me crazy. I'm looking at a page of the book that I'm reading right now, and there's one line that happens to have broken in such a way that there's the equivalent of like five letters of space between every single word on that line because they're insisting that it be uh, fill justified and that the, that, that right edge be uh, be solid, which is there's no need. I, I would I would like an option for that not to be the case, and I would like more fonts. Um, so you know, there, this is an opportunity for somebody who really cares about typography to come in there and make the Kindle experience that much better. And it's just, you know, I feel like they're not showing off that screen. Like that screen is now so high resolution that they, and there was a story on, I was looking it up today. There's a story on TechCrunch, I think, that was reporting the rumors of this new, they called it a new paper white, but it's very clearly the voyage. And one of the things in their story was that there would be a new hand tuned custom beautiful reading font made for the this beautiful new 300 dpi screen uh, didn't happen mia yeah it's, <laughs> it's I, not, I have to yeah. believe that they're spending they've spent so much time on the hardware and i think that with the the voyage is kind of the the pinnacle of their hardware push on the kindle side that they they must be i'm hoping spending the same amount of time on the software and uh, because, I mean, you look at a Paperwhite 2 or even a Paperwhite next to the Kindle Voyage at the software level, and it's identical, nearly identical. Yeah, like the, uh, they added the ability to go back from a footnote. <laughs> Wee! Or, or now the footnotes like pop up. Um, yeah, the little hover thingies, like on your website. They hover. They, or they hover. hover. Yes, that's what they do, Mike. They, they, they hover. Uh, and yeah, yeah, the software is pretty primitive. And it's too bad that that it isn't that it isn't better, and that's why the typography. That's why I bring it up is that you know this could be this could be better. Actually, the other the other thing that annoys me, and this might not bother you so much if you're just reading books on it, but as somebody who also read the newspaper, so I'd have a couple different things. The home screen takes like a second to update, and it always if it's sorted by the most recent thing you've opened. So invariably. In the morning, I would turn on my Kindle. It would have my novel from the night before. I would press the home button, you know, tap in the menu bar to bring up the toolbar and then tap on the home button and it would bring me to the home screen. And what I would see would be the newspaper followed by my book. And I would reach with my finger to press the newspaper. And at the very last minute, it would resort, knowing I had just left my book, and flip the book <laughs> up to the top item. And so I'd, then I'd tap on my book, and I'd be back in my book. And they go, no! And it's just because it, like, the interface is slow. And, you know, it, it, it's not that different from what it was like five years ago, really. 
Yeah, they haven't they haven't improved much on the interface, and I, I I imagine one philosophy could be well they just want to keep it simple and make it disappear like you said, but I think sure. they could invest a little <laughs> bit more time in the interface, and I, I'm not saying super whiz bang features, no but improved typography definitely, uh, even though it doesn't drive me crazy, uh, it is a room much room for improvement there, uh, and and maybe some justification options. Yeah, keep keep it keep it simple. Uh, let's keep it simple, but uh, it could be. I feel at this point now the hardware hardware is really being let down by the software. I, I I gave it more of a pass when it was early days and when the screens were still kind of coming up to speed. But now I feel like they're they're selling a two hundred dollar high high resolution beautiful product, and the software is still kind of clunky and and bad, and uh, that that bothers me. But you don't normally see it. I mean, the idea is that when you're in there, you're just you're just reading, which is why only the typography really is an ongoing thing that bugs me. It's just that I wish that it was a little bit better because that's what I'm staring at all the time. I don't know. And I have, to be fair to Amazon, they did add X-Ray, which is kind of a cool software feature. Yeah. Uh, and real page numbers, which is hard to describe as a software feature, but it is a software feature, right? <laughs> it so is. that's kind of cool. And, and actually, the time the count, time countdown, which I do use sometimes, oh, which is, I do love that. how long am I going to be here? <laughs> and it's like, well, 40, <laughs> about 42 minutes and the book will be over. It's like, oh, that's good. Or how long is it till the end to the next chapter break? Oh, it's only five minutes. I can sit here and finish this chapter right now. Those are kind of neat features that they learn what your paging speed is and then use that as the basis um i like that do you ever try and race against it i'll show you kendall <laughs> just press forward a bunch of times be like aha but then it thinks you're a really have, fast reader i have been tempted to time it to see if it's accurate or mm. not but then i haven't done it so yeah yeah the real page numbers the is, is actually real page numbers i don't really care about they could be fake page numbers but i like <laughs> i because they do match like the print edition so if you're reading and somebody's reading in print you can say it's on page 415 and it's actually page 415 but i just like it because i know then that uh you know i've i've read 400 pages of this book it's not that uh, you know it's not 200 it seems like i've been reading this a long time and then i'll look at the real page number and I'll be like yep yep <laughs> instead of back in the old days where it was like i'm at location 20834 Ooh. I've read uh, eight dots worth of this book. Right. How many dots are left to go? But you know, I wouldn't give I wouldn't give it up. I I I would choose to read a Kindle, even if you gave me an old an old Kindle. I would probably choose to read it. Although I really hated when I had to clip a book light onto an electronic device in order to read it in the dark. That was really stupid. But um, I I I could I could read novels on my iPad if I wanted to, and it would be fine. But I would prefer not to. And yeah, so I guess that means that it is it is a luxury item, right? I mean, I can read books on other even eBooks on other devices that I own. So I don't need a Kindle, but I do prefer reading on a Kindle to to an iPhone or or an, and I do read on an iPhone if I'm like somewhere in in you know waiting at a doctor's office or something like that. I'll read a book on my iPhone, and and the Whisper Sync is really nice there because I read. A Kindle book, it automatically knows where I am, and when I go back to my Kindle, it knows where I left off, and that's great. But you know, if I could choose, and I, I'm fortunate enough to be able to choose, I choose to read on the on the Kindle. I like it better. That's because it is better. Thank you, Scott, for you're, reaffirming you correct. my opinions <laughs> because they align <laughs> with yours. Yes. That's because it is better, Scott and Jason. That's that. There you go. Actually, yeah. I, I have one more quibble about the paper or uh, the voyage that I wanted to give, which is although I really like the page turn buttons. Um, they're so, the bezel is so narrow and they're so close to the edge that I find sometimes my my finger will will just rotate will just roll over a little bit and it will touch the touch screen and when I'm trying to go forward suddenly I'm accidentally like paging backward 
because it's 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 sensing the touch on the on the left side of the screen. Um, mm. And it strikes me that that perhaps is a software problem too, and that they ought to be a little um, less sensitive when you're touching right on the edge of the screen next to your page turn buttons. Um, but that's yeah. something that I, I noticed. I have had the same thing, and I, yeah. I notice it's with when I'm using my non-dominant hand, so my left hand. I uh, yeah. sometimes just accidentally page back because I'm touching the uh, the touch screen instead of just pushing the whatever the fake button. Yeah, that's a stupid hand, and it doesn't know where it's touching, and it touches <laughs> just slightly off, and suddenly, and and you know, you're trying to go forward, but you move slightly off, and suddenly you're going back, and it feels like they ought to be smart about like that very edge of the screen on both sides by those buttons should not be um, trusted. <laughs> It should be That's sort of right. like sort of like the iPad lockout thing, where if you're holding it by the bezel, it's intelligent enough to know that you're probably not touching uh, the 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 screen there. This Kindle probably needs that, <laughs> but I'm better at it now. I, I was before I was picking it up when it was on already. I'd put it down for a minute and then I'd pick it up and I'd advance like five pages and I'd be like, no, I'm squeezing the button too hard. And now I'm better at that too. So. It's just your phenomenal strength that's is what, causing you problems. Well, fortunately, you can use software to, to calibrate just how hard you have to squeeze the Kindle for it to turn a page and, and how uh, much it vibrates when you do. So Ooh. thanks, Amazon. How, how hard do you squeeze your Kindle, Jason? And how much does it vibrate? I try to be gentle with my Kindle, Scott, and it vibrates <laughs> moderately. I'm th- gentle with it and it's gentle with me. That's, that's good. Those are words to live by. <laughs> Mr. Scott McNulty. It has been a pleasure having you as part of this show. Thank you for being a great uh, knowledge of the Kindle world and also for forcing us to finally have this discussion yeah. <laughs> that we've been promising for so long. I have done my duty. And you're, you will never not be our inaugural guest. They can't take that well, away from you. you. Unless we erase this you. show and pretend it never happened. <laughs> Which could happen. Well, I was pretty, you were going to say you will never be on again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when the next Kindle comes out. I notice my popularity gets a, a brief blip when the Kindle comes out. <laughs> ah. And then I go back into obscurity. And that's the reason he buys them all, folks. <laughs> Please, someone pay attention to me. And we should say that Scott, if you enjoyed listening to Scott, you can listen to him every week on Random Trek, which is a podcast on the Incomparable Podcast Network, which is a, a podcast network that is not Relay FM, but is also very nice. And so go to theincomparable.com slash randomtrek or randomtrek.com will take you to a page com- com- completely controlled by Scott McNulty. Ah. Yeah. And if for some reason you can't remember either of those, there are links in the show notes. Show notes. Over <laughs> relay.fm slash upgrade slash eight. Eight. There's one more thing I want to mention before we go. Uh, we are still conducting our listener survey, uh, which is a, a great way for us to try and understand a little bit more about you and trying to help us find great advertisers to talk to you about great products, like our great advertisers today. If you go to podsurvey.com slash upgrade, fill in the information there. If you filled in a survey for any other show, uh, please fill in this one too. And if you use the same machine then you, all your survey answers will be remembered, which is awesome. So you won't have to mm. type them all in again. Um, or you can type them all in again if you want to. Uh, I don't know why you would, but you can. Uh, so it's podsurvey.com slash upgrade. And you will also be in the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you fill out the survey. So please do that for That's us. That's a lot of Kindle books. Lots of Kindle books you can buy with that $100 gift card. Yep. You could buy nice. a whole Kindle. You could buy that Kindle Touch with that gift card and have money left over for books. Look at that. Mm. Look at that. Synergy. 
synergy. Um, I am at iMike on Twitter. I am Y-N-K-E. Mr. Jason Snell is at J Snell, J-S-N-E-L-L. He writes the, at the fantastic six com. And if you'd like to follow Mr. Scott McNulty on Twitter, you can too. He's at Blank Baby on Twitter, which we'll save that story for another day, maybe. I don't know if there is a story, but it sounds interesting. Uh, thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Upgrade. Thank you again to our sponsors, Clubhouse and Hover. And we'll be back next time. Say goodbye, Jason. Ahoy, friends. I think that's the start of the end, but we'll go with it anyway. Ahoy is like aloha, Mike. It means hello and goodbye. Bye. <laughs>